0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: The Premier League All-Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com 18plusbegambleaware.org T's
2: and C's apply. Tottenham Hotspur's victory over Everton on Monday the 6th of July 2020 represents a landmark moment in the career of Jose Mourinho.
3: Not the greatest game in the world to the truth be told settled by a scruffy own goal.
2: After 326 Premier League games the special one, has backed his 200th top-flight win, becoming just the fifth manager to do so in the history of the competition. Respect. Respect. Well, his first win came back on August the 15th, 2004. 1-0 victory over Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United at Stamford Bridge. And ever since, football fans have witnessed the highs and the lows of one of the game's most talked-about figures. Over the next hour, TalkSport 2 takes a look at his career in detail. Hear firsthand from those who played under him... And against him, plus those who have stood in the firing line post match as well. This is a Talksport Two special. 200 wins for Jose. How Mourinho changed the Premier League. Well, I'm Paul Coit, host of the early sports breakfast on Talksport and Sports Day on Talksport Two, and I'm also the on-pitch stadium announcer for Tottenham Hotspur, with the very subject of this special, Jose Mourinho, resides on match days. The latest chapter in a roller coaster career in the dugout.
4: Again, don't please don't call me arrogant because what I am saying is true. I'm European champion, so I must I think I'm a special one.
5: Steve Dunn blows the whistle to signify that 50 years on Chelsea are champions of the premiership.
6: Yeah, of course he's an excellent manager and I'm really enjoying working with him. The radio goes down
5: the celebrating.
6: Rarely remember him
7: giving me any kind of of praise but when it came, it was like it was brilliant it was like the best pat
1: on the
8: back. And Chelsea are officially crowned as the champions of England
1: it's the third time Mourinho has done it. There's been a club announcement from Tottenham Hotspur and they have appointed Jose Mourinho as their new coach. Up goes the trophy John Terry lifts
5: it into the air the crackers go
1: off. Which Mourinho are you talking
4: about?
5: And there is at the moment pushing and shoving going on down in the tunnel below me. Uh, it is uh, Maurizio Sarri and also Jose Mourinho. Click
4: Google instead of make stupid questions. <laughs> yeah,
7: Mourinho he's got, he is raging on the touchline. He's just been uh, he's been sent off. He has been sent, he's off, been yeah. sent yeah. off. He has a
5: little bit of push.
3: On the radio, be fair to him, stay on
4: his feet. You know, he is a specialist in failure. I think he's losing the plot. Three premierships, and I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. It's not an us and them, and he needs to forget, he needs to be more humble.
9: And Jose Mourinho is milking this moment, he's making some kind of statement.
2: Well, over the course of the next hour, we'll of course look into his two spells at Chelsea, plus his time at both Manchester United and Spurs. But I'm interested to learn about his origins and the making of Mourinho, which starts back with an English footballing legend.
6: Jose introduced himself to me because the, the, the president couldn't, said who he was, what he was, and that he was to be my interpreter. spoke very good English, good looking guy, told him not to stand next to me too many times. And we got stuck into the job. It was as simple as that. Our attacking
4: structure
6: disappeared with
1: Oscar, Delapena, Giovanni, uh, Ronaldo,
10: Figo, Ochoa. That's all. Toda a estrutura
4: de ataque fora. Não temos jogadores de ataque em banquillo nada. En términos de ataque no tenemos único jugador.
6: Imagine, imagine el Madrid
2: sin Kiko, Esnáda, Pantech, Pantić, Simeone. Simeone,
10: que queremos. Cinco seis cinco seis jogadores de ataque como nosotros. Ronaldo, Ronaldo.
9: Atención Ronaldo. Gol,
2: Mourinho worked with former Newcastle United and England manager Sir Bobby Robson as an interpreter and a coach during his spells abroad at Sporting Lisbon, Porto and Barcelona. And having gone on to win a total of 37 club honours, there's no wonder why he speaks so highly of Sir Bobby. Renowned journalist Patrick Barkley is the author of Mourinho, further anatomy of a winner and Paddy joins us now. Firstly, uh, did he ever play? We, we always hear about him being a manager. What was he like as a player? Did he get anywhere?
8: Ordinary. Really, uh, he was he. Um, he was one of he, he's a really good example of those, you know, uh, like Arrigo, Saki, um Arsene Wenger. Although Arsene Wenger was a better, player, <laughs> infinitely better player than Mourinho. No, he Jose never got beyond really reserve level in Portuguese football. Um, in fact, he didn't get beyond reserve level, even though. Um, at, uh, at, at Belenenses, for example, the, 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 the third sort of Lisbon club, his dad was the manager. Yes, he was in his early 20s when he said to his dad, um, I- I'm not going to make it as a player. And I-, I guess there would have been a sort of uncomfortable silence there yeah. uh, as his dad agreed. And um, but he then told his dad, "I'm going to be the best coach in the world." Through the the contact, through the, the football network, when Sporting Lisbon hired Bobby Robson, they suddenly thought, "Oh God, you know, uh, the guy the, the guy won't speak Portuguese," which was right. Um, he played golf on the Algarve, you know, as we, you know, like a lot of Brits. But yeah. I mean, that was the extent of Bobby's knowledge of Portuguese, and. Um, So they thought, well, what about uh, Felix's son, Jose? You know, he he knows his football. Uh, He speaks languages, you know, all languages. Um, We'll get him. So when Bobby Robson arrived at Lisbon Airport to be met by the president, the first person he saw was this good-looking young man who came over, shook his hands and said, hello, mister, my name's Jose Mourinho, and I'm going to be your interpreter. But... Robson very quickly realized that um, interpreting, although he was good interpreter because he understand footballing idioms, you know, if Bobby Robson, you know, said something that would be gobbledygook to a non-football person, Jose would be able to relay it to the players in language they would understand, footballing language they would understand. So he was a big I mean, obviously, he was a brilliant interpreter from that point of view, but he was much, much more than that, and Robson recognised that and gave him work and got on with him, respected him. Uh, he, he, Bobby said that when his rep- scouting reports came back, because he he would use him as a scout as well, and, mm-hmm. and when his scouting reports came back, they were as good as those that he'd been used when he was England manager to receiving from top coaches like Don Howe, Howard Wilkinson, who he would take to World Cups. He He said, this kid's Reports were as good as theirs. I mean, that was how good they were. Um, so he quickly realised that this was an asset, a footballing asset. Um, and sure enough, he got sacked. But um, there was a mutual loyalty between them, so that when um, Bobby later got offered the Porto job, he rang Jose and Jose said, "Take it, bite the hands off. It's a great club." And uh, so he went to Porto then, and uh, and you know that was that was where it all. Began after that, Bobby was successful at Porto, won the league twice, I think, um, with with Jose as one of his assistants. So when Barcelona came knocking for Bobby, um, he 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 said that he he's, the only condition of employment that he laid down to Barcelona was I want to bring this guy Mourinho with me, and uh, and and that began Mourinho's love hate relationship with Barcelona.
2: Absolutely. It seems that Bobby has obviously played a huge part. But if Bobby yeah. Robson hadn't been there, would Mourinho yeah. still be in the same position? I, I guess you would say that he
8: would be. Uh, I think it would help. You know, it's it's he just had had the perfect education. So, and, <clears throat> excuse me, this was picked up, and he eventually got jobs in Portugal. He, he it didn't last long at Benfica. There was a, the club was in a right mess mm-hmm. at that time. It only lasted a couple of months, but he rebuilt. Um, yeah, he did did well for a short time at uh, Leria, up uh, some, a, a relatively small club in the Midlands, but he got them to, I think, fourth in the Portuguese top division. Um, and uh, so he was a natural with his background for the Porto job. Porto, 3-0
9: winners against Monaco. And they are the European
2: champions. Jose Mourinho has masterminded this success.
5: For the first time since 1987, Porto are the champions of Europe.
4: I decided uh, that I would like to go when I felt that uh, in Portugal was nothing more to win uh, the challenge was not uh, big enough for me.
2: Back in 2002, Jose Mourinho took a Porto side with massive expectations and turned them from outsiders into Champions League winners. Now, Portuguese football expert Tom Cundit joins us now. The two and a half seasons he spent at Porto, I guess, meant more than just trophies, Tom.
11: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, You say that they had high expectations and, of course, Porto always do because they, uh, until recently, it was for two or three decades, they absolutely dominated in Portugal, but... When Jose Mourinho went there, they were actually going through a bit of a lean spell for them. They'd been uh, three seasons without winning the league, which for them was a a very long time. And uh, when he took over, they were about, I think they were about fourth in the table, uh, not really looking like the Porto of old. And uh, yeah, he just absolutely transformed them. Gave them probably the two best seasons in, in the whole history of the club
2: tell me what you remember about the Porto uh, Porto's Champions League last 16 match against Manchester United Alex Ferguson's Manchester United in 2004
11: yeah that was really the key match I think you know them winning the championship Bro their luck a little bit I have to say uh, I don't know if you remember the match uh, you know United 2-1 down from the first leg uh, scored early so it was all level uh, and uh, I think Paul Scholes scored a goal which was offside uh, which was ruled offside yeah and uh, if the uh, memory serves me right uh, i don't think it was offside that was of course before the bar and uh, but of course that's a little piece of luck you need. and and that you know that last second goal by costinha that was just that's really an iconic moment in portuguese football because uh, you know that really paved the way for porto I to go on and win it and uh, you know, and then we have Mourinho's famous sprint and line. punchline. They're really moments which yeah. are embedded in the football
2: side here in Portugal. Sure. How, how would you say then, Tom, he's remembered or thought of in Porto? Is it um, as he looked at with a reverence or is it uh, bitterness, the fact that he left? Uh, if he goes back there, is he seen as an all-conquering hero? What do people think of him there? Yeah, no, well,
11: you know, he gave them the two greatest years in, in the club's whole history, which is a quite a glorious history as you know so yeah, he's absolutely revered there I have to say you know there's, it's, it's well documented that when he did leave he did leave under a little bit of a cloud it's a fickle business uh, football uh... isn't it <laughs> yeah that's right you know he left uh, even really in, immediately in the wake of them um, winning the Champions League in that final in 2004 against uh, Monaco he, he didn't really seem to uh, you know, celebrate very effusively and uh, and almost immediately it was known that he had signed for Chelsea and it seemed like almost his, his mind had kind of even left Porto and gone to Chelsea, you know, and was already thinking of his you know his next conquest. So that did leave a little bit of a bitter taste among some Porto fans. But you know, with a passage of time and people just look back on what he actually achieved there. And it really was remarkable. So there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, he is definitely revered. He's, he's looked upon as one of the greatest coaches at Porto. One of the greatest coaches uh, that Portugal has ever produced. Probably the greatest.
2: You're listening to a Talk Sport 2 special. 200 wins for Jose. How Mourinho changed the Premier League. Uh, it's easy to forget that before spats with Paul Pogba and post-Bochettino Spurs, Jose Mourinho arrived in the UK and was regularly branded... Football's sexiest man.
4: When we go to, um, to Man United, I will bring a very good bottle of wine because the wine the wine we drank was very bad. Lampard with a shot.
6: What a goal. Jose, you seen 15 years ago in that first press conference was was a mirror image around the, the football club, around the players.
4: Left to Drogba. Three 0 Brilliant. Which one I wouldn't fight? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
10: Big Sam. Big Sam. <laughs>
5: Chelsea, is that the tie over? Chelsea Chelsea can crack open the bubbly and they can say, We are the champions.
10: Nobody speaking with with fair and sense, can say we don't deserve this this title because we did it absolutely magnificent.
5: William Gallus wins it for Chelsea. Mourinho's on the pitch to join in the hunt.
4: I was saying to the players every time, they don't like us because we win.
2: Didier Drogba has done it again. Blue is the color at Webley.
4: We won
10: every trophy in, in the English football in, in three years. We win because this club and this boys, they deserve, they deserve to win.
2: In the city. Two spells at Stamford Bridge resulted in eight domestic trophies including three Premier League titles but it all started with the first of many memorable Mourinho press conferences
4: Again, don't, please don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true I'm European champion so I'm a, I think I'm a special one
2: So the Times chief sports writer Henry Winter was
6: there that day and joins us now
2: Henry, what are your memories of that day?
6: Well, it was a special day with a special one. Yes. I mean, it was it was extraordinary. I mean, some of us had come back from um, the Champions League final. We'd seen Jose Mourinho, with all the speculation about him leaving Porto and, and going to Chelsea, we'd seen him sitting on the front front of the bus, obviously he didn't look emotionally engaged with Porto. There was clearly something going on, and it was—it looked pretty significant as all the Porto players were celebrating. To see Mourinho sitting there at the front of the bus on his phone, was he on the phone to Abramovich? Was he on the phone to Peter Kenyon? You know, all that sort of swirled into one big mix. And then, well, one of the 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 the, the least expected sort of secrets and announcements in sport was uh, was confirmed when he walked in with Peter Kenyon into into the. Into that suite at at Stamford Bridge and um, started sending out messages. Was he as you expected him to be? Well, I mean, everyone was sort of everyone slightly painted that day as he was a complete sort of newcomer to English football, as if we hadn't heard of him. I mean, you know, we'd seen what he'd done in the Champions League, we'd seen what he'd done against Manchester United, we'd seen what he'd he'd done in the in the UEFA Cup against against Celtic. So, look, he was well known to sort of British football observers, British football fans um but it was but close up and personal it was it was quite it was quite impressive seeing uh, you can call him a maestro I would probably call him a Machiavelli on on that mm. performance because he knew exactly what he was doing he was sending out messages to the media he was getting the media on side there were, there were little things like I noticed he I mean there were sort of Print journalists were sitting in the front row. There was sort of television. There was radio, and then we all sort of divvied up and sort of went into separate groups. But he was, he was looking at individual journalists. This, this was hilarious. This he was looking yeah. at individual journalists, and sort of between questions, when there was a sort of pause, or whatever, he was sort of pointing at the journalist and pointing at himself, and then put his fingers together as you know, we're going to work together. I know who you are. You know. Um, and it was just pure flatter. And I thought I well, did it to me. And I thought, well, that's quite nice. There's no reason why he should necessarily know who, who I am. But anyway, it's, you know, it's polite or whatever. And then I noticed he was doing it to everyone else. So this was Mourinho, classic Mourinho getting people on side early so he was getting the media on side obviously the media was lapping up all the sort of of wonderful wonderful answers having a pop at Ranieri um then those great lines which sort of filled the headlines with you know the special ones and all that um but also it was about getting people on side but the most the key thing that about that day was he was sending a message through to the players on many levels
2: so your relationship then, did it stay that way? Because it was almost a, a seduction of the media, it seems like, of what he was doing then. And did it stay very much like that, or did it wear off after a while?
6: Well, he fluttered his eyelashes and he, he kept doing it. I mean, his press conferences were absolute gold dust. I, mean, I remember when there was the, uh, the, the, the bird flu, he came in and he talked very emotionally about how he was worried about the swans falling out of the sky in Scotland. And it was, you know, if you went to a press conference... At, at Chelsea, at Cobham, at that time, when they were rebuilding Cobham, and you know the the, the room they used was, I think it was one of the old uh, the, the students used um, when they played there. Charing Cross and Westminster, I think, played there, and there were all these sort of, sort of slightly strange sort of badminton sort of trophies all over the place. And <clears> then you had this Champions League winner in the middle of it, who was just just coming out with these pearls of wisdom, and you'd ring the office afterwards. And they would say, did Jose say anything? And, then, and you get, well, how long have you got? You know, he's talked about everything from bird flu to potential signings to the opposition to referees. I mean, he was a uh, Shakespeare would have had fun with him because he was such a flamboyant character. But underpinning everything was this supreme intellect using every moment to his advantage. And that first day at Stamford Bridge. Everyone talked about it as a seduction of the media. It was more, I think, a seduction of the dressing room. He was going in there and telling these big-name players, yeah. I'm on your on your level. We've got top players here. You've now got a top top manager. He knew their emotional engagement with Claudio Andriere, who was fairly unfairly... He was unfairly treated by the club in terms of the manner of getting rid of him. But then he completely nailed Ranieri with his comments about, actually, it's quite difficult to win the Champions League just because you think Portuguese football isn't great. Actually, I had to beat some decent teams from all over Europe, including your country, Italy. I mean, he had... He did that very well. So he sort of removed the Ranieri issue. He got the players on side. So I think we realised pretty early on that even though he was the best dancer in the room, you knew he had eyes for other people as well. Former Chelsea midfielder Scott Parker revealed to Talk Sport
2: that Mourinho made players believe they were winners.
6: The Jose you've seen 15 years ago in that first press conference was, was a mirror image around the, the football club, around the players installed a, a belief, installed a confidence in, in the team at that time, so um, he now gets an opportunity at Spurs, where you know, I'm sure that the club have brought him in to, to try and bring some success.
2: One of Parker's former teammates, Premier League winner under Mourinho and TalkSport favourite Glenn Johnson, has been speaking to TalkSport 2's Alex Biddle, and revealed how he and his teammates reacted to his arrival.
12: He's been fantastic at Porto, but no, no one really knew too much about him in terms of his personality, and... Uh, he sort of arrived with a personality in the Premier League that no one had really seen before. There was, uh, initially, a lot, of the, a lot of the lads were felt as a bit hard done by with Ranieri. You know, we, we had a fantastic side, and uh, obviously we only just lost out on the league um, uh, when, when Ranieri got sacked. So everyone, well, most people were a bit like I was a bit harsh. However, when Mourinho came in, it was a game-changer. Um, you couldn't help but understand how good he was and uh, how professional he was. Um, so, of course, in hindsight, it was it was the right thing to do. But, but in the early days, everyone was, it was there was a big question mark.
6: So, post Ranieri, can you give a bit of an insight into what it was like working under Jose Mourinho?
12: He wasn't so much of a man manager, um, but he was more of a like um, he knew like tactically, he knew the game inside out, and he knew exactly how to set a team up to to get a result. It was free-flowing attacking football, which everyone had the ability to to pull off. Um, because, like I say, Jose didn't come into a weak side. We was a very powerful side and, and they made it better with, with, the, with the players they brought. So, um, so it, wasn't, it wasn't like he was taking over some dead wood. Um, so we all understood the, the kind of football that he wanted to play um, and, and he understood it better than anyone, so it worked well.
6: Is it strange seeing what's happened to Jose, especially during his time at Manchester United and Tottenham? Does he seem a different man to what he was like when he first arrived in England?
12: Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, but I think look, people change. You know, it's, how long has he been in the Premier League now? It must be fifteen. I don't know, I'm guessing twelve years ago or something like that. I don't know. Um, but people change. People's you know, mentality change, philosophies change. Um, and of course, I think that his. Where he burst onto the scene with certain surprises and elements that no one had seen before, now seeing it is it's a bit different, and people are sort of catching up with him.
2: Following his departure in 2007, Mourinho enjoyed a successful five years abroad, managing two of Europe's biggest sides: Inter Milan and Real Madrid.
6: The one who has taken Real
3: Madrid back to their incredible heights again, Juan Jose Mourinho. It just gets better and better for this man He really has
8: pushed the boundaries Pass back, Boyton. Diego Melito It's his night It's Inter's night It's Mourinho's night
5: Surely
2: Mourinho bagged five trophies In a two-year spell with Inter Plus another three whilst at Real Madrid And after ending his four-year contract in Spain early He returned to Chelsea for a second time More determined than
4: ever I'm the same but you know nine years is, is, is a big difference and when I arrived here in 2004 I, you pushed me a lot in that first press conference to have a, a stronger approach and in this moment the situation is different, so I don't think I need that that approach.
2: Uh, we're pleased to say the host of the Chelsea Fancast, Dave Chidgey, joins us now. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dave. Let's let's talk about uh, Josie's return to Chelsea and how everybody
3: felt. Well, we were delighted. I mean, remember we'd just come off the back of a season with the uh, the much loathed Rafa Benitez. So I think uh, you know appointing anybody would have been fantastic after that. But when you get Jose Mourinho back, I mean, we had. Such a great relationship within the first time round, winning all those trophies. So there was kind of some unfinished business there. So a very kind of uh, well badly kept secret, but we were delighted to have him back. I can remember it very well.
2: Did Did you feel he was the same Jose that left you
3: before? Well, that's hard to say. I mean, he'd had a pretty rough time at Real Madrid, of course, but he'd been incredibly successful with Inter Milan. Uh, you know, including knocking us out, as I recall, of the of the Champions League. So. Uh, <laughs> I think it's really hard to say. My 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 remembrance of it at the time was that he was still, you know, very much the main man, and we were really looking forward to having him back and winning some trophies.
2: Um, also, tell me about what you thought about when he dropped one mutter because that was his first season, and and then he was player of the season that year. Uh, there were some surprise faces when that happened. <laughs>
3: Well, there were. I mean, Mata, you know, he's still very, very much loved by Chelsea fans to this day. I mean, not least because he's such a lovely chap, but he's a he, he was a. he was a wonderful player, although he lacked pace. And I think that's the context you have to put it in. You know, Mourinho likes certain types of players and he likes to play a certain type of way. So you kind of trust him in a way, you know, you think, well, OK, he's not the kind of player for you. Fair enough. And then you have to go and deliver. And to be fair, you know, we won the title. So, you know, it's hard to argue with that. But you're right, I mean, Mata was very much missed by the fans because he was so popular.
2: Was he enjoyed, do you think, as as much? Of course, you, you just mentioned Premier League champions, uh, League Cup as well, but did he have the same effect on Chelsea and also not only the club but also the fans as he did that first time around?
3: Well, the thing about Mourinho, which, you know, this is an easy thing to say with a lot of hindsight, but when he's your manager and it's going well, there's nobody else you want because you're absolutely behind him and you forgive him all of the other stuff that goes on around him. When he's not your manager, you hate him. And I think, again, with hindsight, you know, when, when he went to Man United and he starts digging out the fans, but remember, he, he would dig out the fans when he was our manager. But if he's winning titles, you kind of you kind of suck it up, but when it goes wrong, maybe that's when things change a bit. The following year controversy struck.
2: The former Chelsea doctor Eva Canero found herself in the limelight when Mourinho targeted her for running onto the pitch to treat Eden Hazard. Jose did not consider the injury serious enough to force the Blues to briefly play with nine men in the closing stages of a 2 all draw against Swansea, but it became clear that Canero was only doing her job.
6: Well, I think it's impossible to go through something like what I went through for the best part of a year of my life um, and not be changed by it. But, um, and it. but it hasn't put me off at all. I mean, I think it's fair to say I needed time off. I needed to um, enjoy my job again and, and be a doctor again without the complications of being in the limelight. A change of culture is needed, and because we
0: passionately love this sport, um, so but a change of culture is needed to change the things that are ugly about it.
2: Generally, though, if we look back at, at those two spells at Chelsea, how is he looked at now by Chelsea fans? Of course, he's at Tottenham Hotspur at the moment, which is not the greatest thing, <laughs> and I guess any other club apart from Chelsea. But but is he still looked at, with fondness or not?
3: Well, I think, to be really honest, you know, mixed feelings. It depends on who you speak to. I mean, personally speaking, I can only really speak for myself, you can't hate a bloke who brought that much joy and that much success yeah. to the club over a period of time. And I, and I will always be grateful for that. But I think, you know, Jose Mourinho would be the first to say this himself, is that, when you know, like I said, when he's Chelsea's manager, you love him. When he's not your manager, you hate him. So, you know, he's, he's no longer a Chelsea manager, so he is very much the enemy. But personally... I'll always be grateful for the great times he gave us and the trophies as well. And the best Chelsea manager there's been that you've seen? I mean, how can you not say that he is? I mean, you know, he absolutely revolutionised that club when he came in. I mean, we were knocking on the door. Uh, You know, Ranieri got us close but was just not able to deliver it. And he turned that team into a team of winners. And his legacy was actually how well they were playing after he went the first time. You know, we got to the Champions League final. You could say that the team in 2012 was very much the team that he built. So, you know, his his impact on that club was huge. And I, I don't think there's any other manager at Chelsea that can come close to him. You're listening to a Talksport 2 special.
2: 200 wins for Jose. How Mourinho changed the Premier League. Very shortly, we'll take a look at Mourinho's tenure at Old Trafford. From success in Europe to spats with Paul Pogba.
5: can crack open the bubbly, and they can say we are the
10: champions. Nobody speaking with with fair and sense can say we don't deserve this, this title because we did it absolutely magnificent.
2: Didier dropper has done it again.
8: Blue is the colour at Webley. And Chelsea are officially crowned as the champions of England. It's the third time Mourinho has done it. We won
10: every trophy in, in the English football in, in three years. In school because this and this boys, they deserve, they deserve
2: to win this last trophy in the You're listening to a TalkSport 2 special. 200 wins for Jose, how Mourinho changed the Premier League. Tottenham Hotspur's victory over Everton on Monday, the 6th of July, 2020, represents a landmark moment in the career of Jose Mourinho. Over two spells at Chelsea, the special one bagged 140 Premier League wins... From 212 games, but found himself making a return to English football with arguably the biggest club side in the world, Manchester United.
3: Bondles it past
5: two players, out to the right and Herrera, Herrera's got space, lifts it in for Ibrahimovic! And has he just won the EFL Cup final for Manchester
6: United with a header? He's an excellent manager and really enjoying working with him, so obviously we've
9: got off to a good start and the players are happy. He's, He's our manager and we're all enjoying it.
2: And the game is up, another chapter is written in the history of this famous club. Now Manchester United have won the lot. You can add a
3: Europa League trophy in Stockholm to the list. Jose Mourinho is a European winner again.
2: Uh, we're pleased to say the Talk Sports Manchester correspondent Don McGuinness joins us now to discuss Mourinho's time at Old Trafford. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dom. Uh, what do you remember about the arrival um, and uh, when, when he came along to Old Trafford for the first time?
9: Well, I mean, oh, he immediately made an impact, as he always does, in terms of he gets everybody talking. He certainly had the fans very excited. I mean, obviously, if you remember what happened just previously to his arrival, Louis van Gaal had been the manager who'd replaced... David Moyes and you know obviously it's been a turbulent time since Sir Alex Ferguson retired in 2013 it didn't work for Moyes that was only a, a seven or eight month job and, and Van Haal you know had he went out with a bit of success with an FA Cup win but the football was so tedious to watch that United had to make the change he was very charismatic Louis van haal but it it didn't quite work on the pitch he was very popular around the place very popular with staff very popular with fans and and quite popular with the media as well despite the perceptions because he had the odd outburst so mm-hmm. van haal going you know it, it was it was sad in a way because he was a great bloke and he was good fun in press conferences and everything else but you know it it was just awful football so when the news came after that FA Cup final win in 2016 that you know Louis was going we knew what was happening next you know the talk had already started the rumours had already started Jose had been out of a job uh, and when it was announced that he was uh, he was to come, the fans were extremely excited. I, I know of punters that were putting thousands of pounds on United winning the league in that first season because Mourinho was coming in. He'd long been mentioned about the United job. He'd long been talked about as one that Sir Alex Ferguson had always ad- admired. He'd been to Old Trafford fairly recently with Real Madrid to knock United out the Champions League when Sir Alex in his final season. And, of course, everyone knew about Mourinho anyway with his history in England. And he'd managed to, from a Manchester United point of view, he'd managed to usurp United with Chelsea and, and Real Madrid. So the fans were thinking, great, now this fellow that we've loved to hate a little bit, and, you know, obviously he's got mischief, he's got arrogance, he's got all those things that United fans love. You know, they love the swagger of of players like Cantona, of attitude like Keane, of brilliance like Ronaldo. And, and this fellow, you know, he, he, he's kind of in that mould in that he thinks he's the best. He, he thinks he's, you know, he, he's going to wipe the floor with everyone else. So United fans were very excited. He arrived and the first press conference was electric. He walked in, you know, he answered all the questions. He, he, he batted back any suggestions that his football would be... Pra- pragmatic he wouldn't have it that he wouldn't give youth a chance which is very much all about Manchester United it's in the DNA you've mm. got to give youth a chance that's that's the rule <laughs> uh, and and he you know he was quoted uh, he went into a big long rant of quoting all the plays he'd given a chance to all the youth players so uh, you know he came in there was great optimism absolutely fantastic optimism uh, for, for the reasons I've just mentioned so you know the crowd w- were just very excited of, of now the man that would replace Sir Alex Ferguson.
2: Well, some of us would say that first season was hugely successful. Would people at Manchester United have said that?
9: Well, in terms of winning the League Cup, I mean, he counts the Community Shield as well because he won that in his first game against Leicester, who, of course, had won the Premier League in 2016. So he counted that as a trophy and then it was the League Cup. But what was undoubtedly a success that season was, of course, landing for the first time in Manchester United's history, what was the UEFA Cup, now the Europa League. United had never won that, and he did. Mm. They went and won that. So in terms of winning Cups, so that's not a bad start. And then you kick on, you know, that's the idea. But... I, I, there was there's, there was never the smile on his face though. You never you never got the impression that he was loving life in Manchester. And that was I, I don't know you know whether there was issues with him personally or or whatever it was. We never you never really got to the bottom of it. But you know it was a surly Mourinho when you think that you know it, he'd always uh, given the impression Manchester United was his dream job that you thought that it was just going to be you know, back to being the mischief of the special one who arrived on these shores in 2004. And, you know, again, but that that spark never really seemed to be there. It it just, the the mojo didn't quite seem to be there. But yeah, undoubtedly to beat Ajax in that final in Stockholm in 2017 was uh, was a result. And, And obviously they went on, the the following season, to finish second. And and we all giggled almost when he Mm. said that was one of his greatest ever achievements. But, you know, there's a lot that that Jose was right about. And, and, you know, and fans will always give him a decent reception at Old Trafford. Because uh, for, for, you know, the reasons I've said, the the negative stuff that came with Mourinho, you know, they leave with good memories in terms of, you know, the cup win, as I mentioned. And they remember they did finish second in his last full season. And, And, you know, history will record that that was some achievement.
2: Despite strengthening his squad in the summer and a strong start to the following campaign, things started to go south for Mourinho after his treble winning season.
9: The referee puts the whistle in his mouth. Well, this isn't a smash and grab from Seville. They deserve to progress. United, uh, they showed only urgency when the game was already up. And Jose Mourinho has many questions to answer. Team selection, a lack of urgency, a frustrating display and a dreadful night all round at Old Trafford. Manchester United are out of the Champions League.
4: Three new, but also mean three premierships and I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. Respect, man, respect, respect, respect.
2: Following a disappointing 2017-18 campaign and just seven wins in the first 17 Premier League games of the 2018-19 season, Mourinho was sacked by Manchester United plenty's happened in his time at Old Trafford and I'm pleased to say to help us go through the talking points Stephen Howson from the Stretford Paddock massive Manchester United fan joins me now Stephen let, let's talk about the Europa League uh, I guess when Manchester United won that were you then thinking look we're on the up things are looking great
5: I was actually yeah um, I thought this was much like when you saw it on the year, that this team gets a big trophy under its belt this is a manager that knows how to motivate and knows how to win. He's got experience and pedigree of doing that everywhere. I mean, he wins the league everywhere he goes, right? That's that's the rules. Sure. Um, we win the Europa League and you think, right, the board's going to release the funds. He's going to be happy. And, uh, yeah, no.
2: <laughs> sure. I mean, one of the things that probably defined what was going on with Jose Mourinho towards the end of his tenure at Manchester United uh, was the more than famous spat with Paul Pogba, as a fan, what were you thinking about what was going on? Did you tie your mask to one side or was it just something you were just keeping a very close eye on the whole time?
5: Um, No, because I think the shades of grey with it. I think with the Pogba situation, it's, it's never been that Paul Pogba isn't good enough for Manchester United. Pogba's always been good enough for Manchester United and actually probably been underrated in how good he has been for Manchester United. I think the fans issue with Paul Pogba is his agent and his brother. Because obviously, I know Paul doesn't really come out and say anything, but not saying anything as bad as coming out and saying it, really, when, when all your brother and agent are doing is trying to get you a move away from the club. And I think Jose probably saw some of that lack of commitment in there. So that's one thing that I can kind of line up on Jose's side a little bit with, is that he wants players that are committed. I want players that are committed. Sure. And if Pogba's going to stay at Old Trafford... I think he needs to sign a new contract and make a statement to the words of, I'm going to be here for the foreseeable future. Because for years it was De Gea, it's been Pogba for a couple of years now, like a saga every single summer. And it's just that circus that's around the player that you don't need. If you remember when Sir Alex sold David Beckham, he sold him because of a circus. Yeah. If you look back at the circus that was around Beckham now, it wasn't a circus. There was probably more drama around Dan James than there was David Beckham in 2003. But Fergie sold him because he thought the circus had got too big, not because he didn't rate him as a footballer. And I wonder if Paul Pogba's going to see his reign at Manchester United ended on the back of circus and not on the back of his ability as a footballer.
2: So from what you're saying, there was only going to be one ringmaster and did you know which one it was going to be?
5: I think if Jose had stayed, it would have been Jose, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and maybe the club made a decision because, by the sounds of it, he didn't rate Shaw, he didn't rate Pogba, he didn't rate Marshall. And you know, there's quite a lot of money and talent there. Is it easier to get rid of a manager that actually the rest of the team's not really all that keen on, or try and find someone who can work with the assets you've got? And I think you know, a year and a half into it, it looks like they made the right choice.
2: Stephen, finally, what's Jose Mourinho's legacy? Do you think at Manchester United?
5: Oh man. <laughs> Uh, Hopefully, he's shown the club that you can't... Manchester United, at least, can't be a mercenary club because that's what we became under him. We got away from our tradition of um, fielding youngsters. I think his second season was the first time we never saw a youth debut since Norman Whiteside's season. So even though he was playing the likes of Scott McTominay, he was playing the likes of Rashford, there wasn't a new debut in that season. And I think he just gotten away from what the true identity of Manchester United is. Uh, and I think one thing that Solskjaer has shown us is going back to those roots um, has been quite fruitful for him.
1: If you just tune in, breaking news, Spurs have sacked Maurizio
4: Pochettino.
1: There's been a club announcement from Tottenham Hotspur and they have appointed Jose Mourinho
8: as their new coach. Uh,
4: the Premier League is what I always told is my natural habitat. Is where I
8: most uh, loved tossed in towards Harry Kane, 3-0. Mourinho
11: is clapping his hands to the away supporters and they are doing the same. They
1: are honouring their new manager here. The new era begins. Things In the area, gets away from Olivero. Oh, that's a stunning goal! It is Southampton 1, Tottenham nil.
4: It's not a problem for me to cope with mistakes.
5: Forsberg is there and RB Leipzig
3: have a third and Tottenham Hotspur have been well and truly beaten.
4: We could do more. Much more. It's Sheffield United 3, Tottenham Hotspur 0. Tottenham's embarrassment continues. Next season has to has to be different.
2: You're listening to a TalkSport 2 special. 200 wins for Jose. How Mourinho changed the Premier League. So, here we are. After two spells at Chelsea, plus a turbulent tenor at Manchester United... Jose Mourinho now finds himself in North London with Tottenham Hotspur, a club he infamously said he'd never manage when he was in the Stamford Bridge dugout.
11: Jose, four years ago when you were at Chelsea, you were asked if you would ever come to Spurs and you said, never, I love the Chelsea fans too much. What's changed?
4: Before I was sacked.
2: Despite winning last night to bring up his 200th Premier League win... Spurs find themselves eighth in the Premier League, seven points off European places. They last finished outside the top four in 2014-15 and in the top six in 2008-2009. And recently following a 3-1 defeat to Sheffield United, Mourinho questioned the desire
4: of his squad while speaking to TalkSport. I believe, but it's also possible that, that that doesn't happen and if that doesn't happen is not the end of the world if that doesn't happen is probably the beginning of a new world Uh, because um, things change change for you change for other clubs Um, the squads they change the motivations they change the group dynamics they change Um, a group that possibly was strong 10 years ago is not strong anymore a player that was in the maximum of his motivation uh, is not anymore, and vice versa. The group dynamics is, is something that changes a lot in um, in groups, not just in football, in in groups. So it's it's also possible that we we don't get into a top six position. And if that uh, that happens, of course, we have to look at it uh, not smiling, uh, but we have to look at it with uh, with uh, optimism and look at it with uh, with a professional. Um, profile of um, next season has to has to be different because uh, if you analyze um, uh, Tottenham, uh, for example, last year uh, how many matches Tottenham won um, away at home? Uh, when I arrived, was I think almost one year without one one victory away. So when we beat West Ham away, I think was the first victory away. For 10 months or 11 months. Former Spurs
2: midfielder and lifelong fan Jamie O'Hara has always been outspoken when it comes to his club and Jose Mourinho. And he's been speaking to TalkSport 2's Jake Watson.
7: And let's have a little chat about last night's game, shall we? Uh, Min Sun and, and Hugo Lloris having a, a bit of a bust-up. Yeah. Handbags. Handbags, yeah. I mean, he wasn't, you know, uh, the most you know, violent, to, to, to no. say the least, of incidents. But um, what, what did you make of that? Um I mean, listen, it's one of them ones where I think Larice. they've obviously been speaking about it in terms of their intent to press and to track back and work hard because Larice was when it happened and Son obviously didn't look to track back and it gave the Richarlison a good chance to score. Larisse was straight up, so it was already in his head about it. So they've obviously had a chat about this before the game about their intensity and the way they, they work hard off the ball. So I mean listen, them things happen. They they happen week in, week out. So I've got no problem with that. Um there was no real sort of fisty cuff. So, you know, you move on and, and, and you get on with it. Runio has since
3: described it as beautiful. Is well, that is I that what <laughs> yeah what not say about
7: that? Be- I wouldn't say it was beautiful. Um uh, listen, I like where he's coming from in terms of you want players on the pitch to show character and leadership and Larice did that because at the end of the day if Son's not going to work hard it's alright going forward and doing your work and looking fantastic for the, the fans and, you know, an entertainment factor but you've got to work hard off the ball as well and they're the things that people don't see and, you know, the top players and the best players do that week in, week out. They do both sides of the game so, you know, no, there's no problem with it. Uh, Larice showed a bit of character. They made up. They kissed and made up afterwards so, um, you know, as a squad, you want that in your team. Is that a classic Mourinho tactic? Do you do you think, or or do you think this generally how he maybe feels about it? Um, no, I I think he genuinely probably just thinks that's what he wants from his side. You know, a bit of leadership, bit of character, a bit of fight. You know, because that's what against Sheffield United they showed nothing. Um, the lack of fight was incredible, and that at least they showed it towards each other in the sense of the, the, the standards of where they expect to be and where they should be, because it is Tottenham Hotspur. And, you know, just the little things like that with, with the tracking back and things like that. You know, if one player stops doing it, then it creeps in. And then all of a sudden the whole team's off the pace. So, you know, bang it out at source, do it where everyone can see it, like Larice did. And then it won't happen again. Yeah. Now, look, last night's game, it wasn't the, the most excitable it was a shocker. Yeah, I think that's your words, not mine, but I do agree. Um, and and let's be honest, Mourinho over the recent years it has received criticism of of the style, that the way that some of his teams plays. And I mean, no doubt, Jamie, as yeah. a Premier League football former Premier League football, you, you've played against the Mourinho side. Yeah. What is it like playing against a team like that? Tough. I mean, it's hard to break down. Uh, defensively resilient. Um, and, you know, they, they really sort of slow the tempo down. You know, Mourinho is the master at it tactician in terms of the way he plays teams and play on the counter, be defensively good. The problem with Tottenham is the back four is just not good enough. So it's all right implementing your philosophy. But if, if your defence isn't good enough, you're going to concede goals. So then you've got to offer something else. Now, the problem is, is all right, they got a clean sheet last night, but that's because Everton was shocking. They were really poor, and they 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 offered nothing as well. So, it just made it a very sort of you have it, we have it affair, pre-season kind of feel to it. I mean, the, the own goal was the only kind of thing to kind of even go on. Really, was it an own goal or not? And and them having a fight at half time, but apart from that, it was just a nothing game. Now, I, as a Spurs fan, I was I'm I'm starting to get agitated with the way they're playing. Now, I was all for Mourinho coming in and. Winning a trophy. That's what we want. Mourinho, bring a trophy to Spurs and we're all happy. But actually now, under Poch, I loved watching Tottenham. Now, you know, you can't get away from the fact that Poch got us to a Champions League final. And we got to finals with Poch. So it's not like he wasn't, he was never, all right, we didn't get it over the line. But he got us there. This team at the moment, I'm looking at thinking, there's no way this team gets to a final
2: with the way they're playing. Former Spurs midfielder and massive Tottenham fan, Jamie O'Hara there. If Jose Mourinho were to win the remaining five games of this season, he'd move up to 205 Premier League wins in total, which is just one off of David Moyes' record of 206. Well, up next for Mourinho and Spurs, it's an away trip to Bournemouth on Thursday the 9th. And after criticising his team's mentality... Does the half-time clash between Hugo Lloris and Hugo son against Everton prove that Mourinho has got now the side that he needs to succeed?
4: I was looking from some distance because now with the dressing rooms in the other side, I'm the last one to arrive. I was looking from distance and I was so happy. I was so happy with that. It's something that was impossible to see it here. It's something that I want. Critical sense, players demanding from, uh, from each other, these aggression, this adrenaline, uh, I just love it.
2: Since adopting the label of the special one, we've heard Mourinho called everything under the sun, but there's no denying there's still plenty to come.
4: I was uh, lucky enough to, to work for uh, three of, of the biggest clubs in, in the country, and when you're running these big clubs, it's easier to have, um, to have good results.
2: Only Sir Alex Ferguson has reached the landmark of 200 Premier League wins in fewer games. It took the Manchester United legend 322 matches to achieve the feat. Jose Mourinho, just 326. Almost, Jose.
1: The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides. We've got them. Expert opinions. We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on talk sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be T's and C's
0: apply. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.